This is an SJC Radio production. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to episode 17 of season 7 of Pit Stop. Um, today I'm joined uh, by Ed and Joe. Good evening. Good evening. Evening. Uh, it might be that Finn might appear during the show. Uh, who, who knows? It might be he's got lots of homework to do. I'm going to start off with news. Uh, I'm going to start off um, with... MotoGP, you know, it was the last week we talked about the last round in Valencia last week. Well, the day after the Valencian round, it was um, the first round of testing for for next year. This is quite an important test, this one, because the next time the MotoGP riders are allowed to test their bikes is in February. This is is quite a a very important test. And so all so people like... um, it was an opportunity for some of the riders to join their new teams. So we had uh, Jack Miller on the KTM. We had uh, Oliveira uh, on the Aprilia and uh, Alex Rins on an LCR Honda and so on. Um, some interesting things from the test. Uh, Yamaha were hoping for um, a better engine because they, they lack sort, sort of... Um, sort of speed really on the straights. Um, Quattroaro was really disappointed with the engine they used in the test. Uh, Honda, Marquez wasn't terribly happy with with the latest Honda. He said, and I quote, uh, he said, we need more to fight for the championship. But concerning that, so you got Yamaha and Honda not terribly happy with with their test. My concern is that if we don't have a competitive Yamaha and a competitive Honda, I don't want the championship to be just a whole of Ducatis fighting against each other. So it's important that Yamaha and Honda get their, their bikes sorted for next year. Thanks. People who are really happy with the test. Um, Luca Marini was top. Obviously, he was happy with that. Bastianini had his first ride on, on a factory Ducati. Really impressed with that. Oliveira, um, his first ride on a an Aprilia. Uh, he was fourth overall. Um, so... He could be a contender next year, basically. Um, so that's it. That's just a roundup of the the first major test of of, of next season, I suppose. Um, I suppose when we talk about Formula One news, we're talking about the Grand Prix. So, um, Joe, did you watch any of the Grand Prix? No, but I was busy. I was busy. I was playing rugby on the Saturday, and then I was away all weekend. Who did you play rugby against on Saturday? I played against Churches. Yeah, and uh, tomorrow, 
tomorrow I'm travelling up uh, to play a team in Wiltshire. Um, forgotten one that Dauncey's, I think they're called. Ooh, that's a good rugby school, Dauncey's. Uh, so we're in, we're in the national, we're in the national vase, yeah. and we're in round four. So I think right. we've got three more games to win, and then we're in the final at Twickenham. Well, that'd be good. How did you get on against Churches? Yeah, we did all right. We lost by two points, which is really annoying. Aren't uh, you playing Churches again later in the season? Yes, yes, we are. So it's I'm, I'm going to go to that match. Good. And, and so is Mr. Parkinson. So we're, we're coming on to watch you, right, Ed? Well, actually, in the first yes. round of this of ours, we were talking about in this first round. We played uh, PGS and knocked them out. You, yes, there we go. And Ed, of course, is at PGS. Mm-hmm. Ed, please say you did watch the Grand Prix because I didn't. Oh, of, did you of, watch it? Of course, of course. So did you watch it live? Highlights? YouTube uh, highlights? The like short YouTube highlights. Uh, I can't get it live. I haven't seen those. Yeah. Well, I, I haven't even watched the short YouTube highlights. So, now, first of all, there was a surprise during qualifying, wasn't there? Joe, uh, are you... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, big surprise. Yeah. I know this. I do know yeah. this. So who was on? Well, I say Magnuson, I think, wasn't he? But he wasn't on pole, was he? Where's so this Magnuson, So he topped qualifying, which meant he was pole position for the sprint race, which determines the grid for the main race. I've got a question here, which yep. you may, may, may or may not be able to answer. In the record books, does um, Magnuson go down as having scored, secured a pole position or not? I think he does, because I think when they introduced the sprint races, there was a lot of sort of chat about whether it, the pole should go to the person who wins the sprint race and gets pole for the actual Grand Prix, yeah. or whether it's the person who's first in qualifying. And I think they started having the pole position awarded to the person who finished the sprint first, but I mean, they sort of realised that not particularly fair, because... Poles will the yeah. poles should be given to whoever's passing quali. So I think Absolutely. I think he he gets the, the pole position for that one. It makes sense because he of course set the fastest lap, didn't he? Yeah. Whereas um Russell won won the race. Hmm. Well that, that's good. I'm pleased with that. So we, we think Magnuson goes down as having uh secured a pole position, yeah. that's good. Um anybody see the sprint race? Uh, I didn't watch that one, but I know the result. Okay. I think now's a good time to bring in quote of the day, isn't it? There's always a good time for quote of the day, Joe. Joe, is this it's... relevant to the sprint race? I think it's just relevant to life in general. Okay, so, okay. you know, it's it's probably relevant to the sprint race. It's relevant to everything, okay. really. Right. And, Ed's, and I have to admit, I have sent this to Ed. Because as soon as I found it, I thought right. it was so poignant. Okay. Poignant, hopefully, to the sprint. Okay, carry on. Life's like a camera. Focus on the important things. Capture the good times. If you don't get the right photo, take another shot. That's, I, I, I kind of interrupted the first bit. Um, no worries. Life's like a camera. Yeah. That, that's it, really. <laughs> Can you repeat the next line? Life's like a camera. Focus on the important things. Capture the good times. And if you don't get the right photo, take another shot. So we could say, I'm, I'm trying to force this into sprint qualifying. We could say that Russell took another shot. Yeah, you by could, winning you could the sprint that. race. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's, that's the meaning behind it. Absolutely. It's a bit like I was saying to a friend of mine the other day, um, sort of doing this, it's a bit like herding cats sometimes, where I'm trying to sort of focus <laughs> on one thing and then you go off at a, a, a completely different direction. 
But thank you for that. Thank you for that, Joe. Um, now, the, the interesting thing was we had all forgotten there was a sprint race for the Brazilian Grand Prix. I think the reason for that, and I'm going to ask you a question here. I don't know the answer to this. When was the last sprint race? Uh, it, was, it was Silverstone. Eight. I'm thinking was Monza. It? Oh, yeah, probably. Was there a sprint Monza? race in Monza? There, there usually is, so. isn't there? Yeah, I think so. It seems, well, well, whether it was Silverstone or Monza, it seems an awful long time ago. My point is this, and I've said this before, are sprint races going to be a regular thing or not? Here we are, second season of sprint races. And, okay, we might have had one more sprint race than last year. I don't know. But I get the impression that the governing body, uh, they, they seem to be unsure about these sprint races. Because if they were confident with them, they'd have them for every single race. Yeah, facts. I, I've got to be honest, I don't like them. I, I, I'm, I'm still pretty miffed that MotoGP have gone down the route of sprint races. Uh, because to me personally, they, 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 I think they take away something from the main race on the Sunday. And I've said this before, thank goodness, MotoGP, thank goodness that the winner of the sprint race in MotoGP doesn't then take pole for the main race. So in MotoGP, qualifying um, determines the starting positions for, for both races. Formula One have got it wrong in my book this city business whereby the sprint race determines the grid for the main race. I don't like that at all. You think it should be a separate entity where it just gives and gives you another batch of points. Yeah. So what I'm saying is qualifying. So if they had done it properly, Magnuson would have been on pole for both the sprint race and the main race. And, and really I've said this before, you either have sprint races, every single race, or you have, or you don't have them at all. I don't like this sort of, oh, we'll have, you know, every five Grand Prix will have a sprint race. I don't like that. I also don't like the idea that you, you're not going to be encouraged to take very many risks because A, if you crash, yeah. you're not going to be into the real one. And B, if you crash or if you just spin, you're at the very bottom for the real one. Yeah, which is why another very good argument, Joe, why the qualifying should determine both grids. Yes. Or, or how about, sir? Have a qualifying in a main race, and that's it. <laughs> How's that? Yeah, How's that sound? That's, that's even better, isn't it? That's even better. Yeah. So yeah, we're not fans, obviously, of the sprint race business. So we we haven't seen the sprint race. I'm not even going to bother watching the highlights of it. Okay, Ed. Yes. Now, over to you. Now, now, tell me why I should watch the six minute highlights on youtube i haven't watched them yet so why should you watch it um well of the few races i've watched this year this has been the best one so i think that on its own should sort of encourage right. you to watch it a good yep. result I'm, I'm sure we'll get onto that later very happy result for somebody like myself and probably you two as yeah, well i mean this i mean yeah in this sort of sort of rather predictable era of Formula One, I guess it's like a shock result, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you looked yeah. two years ago, three years ago, definitely not a shock result. But in 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 this season, it is is yeah. is for sure. And I think it's, it's surprised. I think it's surprised. so. We have yeah, in sort of in sort of modern day Formula One, a surprise result is when the winner 
uh, wins in the, the team, which had been the most dominant team in Grand Prix history over the last, I don't know, eight years or so. Mm. That counts as a, a shock result. I think it's, um, it's nice to see them back at the top because they, you know, yeah. they haven't been on it this year and they were no, struggling yeah. last year. So I think we did say last week that, that if there's been one theme, how many, many themes this year, apart from obviously Red Bull being dominant, Ferrari being a bit useless at strategy. Uh, the other theme has been the sort of gradual uh, increased competitiveness of, of, of the Mercedes. Yeah. You mentioned that last week. So, yeah, and you're right. They've done, they've done well in this race, haven't they, Mercedes? Yeah, yeah, they did very well. I mean, they, um, they were helped out by a, a few few things, but... Yes, of course. Yeah, they, okay. they got so, the one soon. Yeah, so. yeah one um, well, When I go on Crash.net and sort of read all the MotoGP stuff, I, I obviously glance at the Formula One headlines and there was some... Was there, was there an incident, Ed, between Verstappen and Hamilton? Yeah, I mean, I don't really understand what happened, but there was something that happened with um, with uh, Russell and How- uh, not Russell, and How- Verstappen and Hamilton pretty early on, I think, yeah. that caused Verstappen to it pretty much ruined his race. I think he went must have had to make a an early pit stop and then was you know back of the grid for the rest of the race, which he still recovered to P six, I think, so he did all right, but that's Verstappen yeah, that's in good. it. So, um, but. Yeah. Yeah, I think it must have impacted Verstappen a lot worse than it, it, it hit Hamilton, considering yeah. Hamilton still second, finished second. It? So, second. Yeah. So, um, Russell's victory, was that lights to flag or, or was he battling at the front? Well, I, I think it was a pretty easy win as it goes. There was a late safety car, which might have sort of caused some nerves. Um, but I think as it you goes... Have got Hamilton behind you. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, Hamilton Perez signs Leclerc, so that might have been slightly intimidating for him. But I think as it goes, that might be one of the easier wins of his career. And I'm sure he'll get many That's more. his first win. Uh, yes. first proper win, yeah. Because his I think the sprint win the sprint win was his first race win and this was his first Grand Prix. Yeah. I tell you what, it's just as well that he won the Grand Prix because had he not won the Grand Prix, I would have then asked you the question in the record books, is uh, George Russell a race winner? Mm. I, I yes, don't know what the answer would have been. He, he, he won this week, sir. No, no but, but what I'm saying is, had he not won the Grand Prix, would he be so down in the record books? About, we've just been talking about how he's won, sir. So I'm not sure why you're asking us if he's a Grand Prix. No, no, I'm saying, I'm saying, had he not won the Grand Prix, <laughs> would he have been down in the record books as being oh. a race winner? Yeah, yeah. See, I, th- th- this is the problem again with this with this qualifying business. Um, yeah, so uh, good for George Russell, good for Mercedes, good for Formula One, I suppose, having three competitive teams. Uh, I've got a question, actually, which you may or, not, may or may not be able to answer. Has anybody else, a- apart from uh, the Ferrari drivers, Red Bull drivers and Mercedes drivers, finished on the podium this year? Um. <laughs> yes. Yes. That that's not set with any confidence, Joe. <laughs> I. You, yes. You would have. I've got a feeling. I've got. I've got a feeling that perhaps one of the Alpine drivers might have had a podium at some stage. I'm pretty Ooh, sure. Maybe. Um, Lando Norris had a podium pretty early on. Imola, maybe. Did he? Yeah, he might have done. Did you? Yeah. Okay. Um. Well, I'll tell you, that, that's something perhaps you can get back to us uh, next week on. Right, so 
Um, let's move on. There was um, other motorsport last weekend. Um, there was the final round of the WEC. That was uh, the eight hours of Bahrain. Bahrain said last week, not my favourite circuit. And uh, got to be honest, not the easiest gig watching eight hours of motorsport around the Bahrain circuit. Um, the race was Toyota 1-2. Uh, the Peugeot, that ugly Peugeot I was talking about last week, they were a bit more competitive. Uh, I've got quite a few problems with that Peugeot. I've mentioned these before. It's got no rear wing, which I don't like. I think perhaps the worst thing about it, it's got this central fin, which starts at the cockpit and goes all the way to the back of the car. And I would say that, I guess you might call it a shark fin. For me, it's far too big. It sort of dominates the sort of the look of the car too much. So they've designed a really, I think, ugly car. But, you know, whereas, you know, the new Porsche 963, the new Ferrari, um, they look they look amazing. Um, the, 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 the Peugeot, I, I don't like at all. So they designed her, I think is a really ugly car. Now you might've thought, okay, we've designed a really ugly looking car. Let's, let's try and make it a bit more exciting by giving it a really exciting color scheme. What color or colors, uh, <laughs> are hey, on the Peugeot? What do you on think? On the it? Peugeot, uh, I reckon yeah. there's a bit of neon green on there. No, it is gray and black. Ah. Gray and black. So they designed an ugly car and they then paint it gray and black. Honestly, some people haven't got a clue. I mean, it just, oh dear. You should you take know, it's over. So so. Exciting. It, it's so exciting. We've got all these big manufacturers coming into the sport. And when Peugeot produce a car which looks as hideous as that, I don't think they get it. Sports cars are supposed to look amazing, like the Porsche, like the Ferrari. Um yeah, I, I just don't think Peugeot get it somehow. But uh, hey, what are your thoughts on that? On the Peugeot, well, I think grey and black. Is no, just... no, what we just talked about there. Yeah, the Peugeot. Yeah. Yeah, the, the grey and black is just. Mm, yeah. So, what would be your thoughts on that? Well, it's boring. They need to do something more exciting. They need to get. I saw Mr. Bird. They had um, in the design team. They had one of the. They had a Peugeot uh, at a motor show. I don't know which motor show it was, and they had put a different color scheme on it. They they, they had a, a retro. Peugeot design from probably 93 and it looked quite good it's predominantly white yeah. blue yellow and I said that looks so much better than the, the color scheme that they're using um hey ho right mm. moving on so actually what's interesting Joe yeah. uh, not the most exciting race no. uh, I had it kind of on all day kind of in the background I only started watching it in the last couple of hours yeah um in so. the dark and actually Watching sports cars race around Bahrain in the dark is more watchable than, than watching them in the daylight. I think that's more of a reflection of what a dull circuit Bahrain is. And at night, there's a little bit of character, um, kind of almost like a Le Mans or Sebring feel to it because it's at night, which you don't obviously get during the day there. Um, I would like somebody that the company who redesigned Zandvoort and made Zandvoort, which was, which was a good circuit into an amazing circuit, all, all these bank corners. I'd like that company to, to do some work on the Bahrain circuit. Um, it could do with some bank corners and, and a few less sort of sharp hairpins. Um, but I do find it quite difficult to watch races at, at that circuit. Um, the other 
race that I watched or races as well as super bikes. Uh, that was from Mandalika in Indonesia. Mm. Um, it, it, I mean, super bikes has been really good this year. The, the races, they weren't quite as exciting as, 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 as I hoped they would be top yeah. rack on the Yamaha one or three. Got slight yeah. problems. I've got slight issues with the Mandalika circuit. Not so much with the circuit as such. I think with the sort of, I think with the camera angles. So this is in Indonesia. So I want to be seeing in the background sort of Indonesian type scenery, like sort of forests and what have you. And the circuit is surrounded by sort of forests. There's also the sea as well. But all you could see um, was you've got the grey tarmac, followed by grey runoff, followed by grey gravel. And that kind of filled the picture all the time. And yet in the background, there was some quite quite spectacular scenery around the circuit, which we couldn't really see very much of. Um, I think the point I'm making here is that for me, for a, for a race to be watchable, the, the sort of stage has to be interesting. Um, Mandalika is okay. The actual circuit itself is okay. It's got lots of sort of fast air spends, but um, I'd just like to see a bit more of the natural vegetation, which is there. But 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 the camera angles they kind of zoom in too much. They need sort of wider angled lenses. I think that's the, the phrase to make it a bit more uh, exciting. Facts. Anyway, Facts. right, Joe, have you? I know you're obviously very busy at school with uh, you're doing your homework and stuff. Ooh, yes. Have you got anything sort of lined up for us? What, what homework? Be... I can share with you some of my homework if you want. <laughs> not, not, not that sort of homework, but... I've got, I've got a macroeconomics thing I think I need to do. So we can do that now if you'd like, but I'm not sure the listeners would like it particularly. Is it an essay? Uh, no, it's just, I think it's just a six marker. I think we should be all right. I, I did economics. Right did, did you like it? Um, it was quite difficult. I, you know, I remember is we had, a, I think there were two papers. One paper was a multiple choice, which you would think would be really, really easy. The multiple choice papers were impossible. Um, okay, what about you, Ed? Anything else? Yeah, well, I've probably Anything got some economics yeah. work as well, but um, I don't know. Is, is there any any racing on this weekend? Right. Uh, okay. Well, there is actually. You should know this, you Formula One, so-called Formula One fans. Oh, it's been too uh, busy with work, sir. Ed, come on. Because coming up this weekend, it's um, Abu Dhabi F1. Yay. And I've also got down here World Superbikes. So that must be uh, from Phillip Island, which is a brilliant racetrack. Um, I won't be watching Abu Dhabi. Now, I am going to rely. I, I do need you two to watch some Formula One because I won't watch any of it. Um, and if none of us watch it, it's quite difficult for us to comment on it. It is. Mm. Yeah. So, Joe, you got some extra homework this week. I do. To, yeah. To watch. Uh, Abu Dhabi, which of course we, we quite like that circuit now, the changes they made last year. Um, in fact, that company who made the changes to the circuit, um, they're based, the company is from Hook in Hampshire. Hmm. Because a friend of mine uh, did some work. A friend of mine, he used to be a teacher at St. John's, Mr. Evans. Tom might know Mr. Evans, Joe. Um, his company, they do, um, you know, when you go to museums and stuff and you have the audio, the, <laughs> yeah. you might have some headphones and there'd be some audio. His company produces that audio. 
he was telling me that for some reason he was um, up in Hook at this company, which, um, well, which designed racetracks. And that was the company which made the alterations to Abu Dhabi, the alterations which we, we really, really like, getting rid of that horrible chicane before the hairpin and making a, a sort of a, a nice sort of long, fast left-handed bend where there used to be quite a fiddly chicane. Um, yeah, well, I tell you what, that company could uh, do some work on Bahrain. Um, Shade. I'm, I'm, I've got, what, what, I forgot what I was talking about then. Oh yeah, so Ed, what would you what do you say about that? Well, you're right. The, the changes they've made to Abu Dhabi have improved it a lot, and especially where they had that like slow chicane and the hairpin, like that was. Yeah, I think we can all agree that was dreadful. Um, we can, and yeah, they've well, definitely improved it. I would, I would say Abu Dhabi. I tell you what, it's such a good circuit. I might even, I might even watch uh, some of it because no I way. quite like the race track. Um, and of course, last year, of course. Last year, the scene of that very dramatic season finale. Um, you know, the crowds at Formula One this year have been very big, haven't they? And I I think that's a direct result of that season finale last year. Mm. It definitely mm. definitely sparked some interest in, in the sport. And, you know, we went into school yeah. like the next day and there were people talking yeah. about it that, you know, we would never, we'd never have spoken about F1 to. So, yeah. And of course, it made it made the headlines, didn't it? You know, made the front pages. I, I think of newspapers, and and I think that combined with this sort of success of what's the um, documentary series called Drive, Drive to, to Survive. Survive. I think those two combined have led to probably record attendances this year. I, I just wonder. I I just think I don't. I think next year, I think uh, and the sort of you know, the ensuing years, I think you'll see those attendances dropping off. Yeah. Because I think, I think that's purely as a result of the drama last year. And I understand why Michael Massey, he made that wrong decision to sort of engineer that last lap, you know, um, finish. I, I, I can see why he did that. Um, and I guess, and I guess this is one of the reasons it's made Formula One incredibly popular. Well, it always was very popular, but this year I, I've, I've been surprised at how well attended the races have been. Um, but I, I reckon, because it hasn't been a very good year, has it really? Uh, I mean, I'm talking to people here who were last season, the start of this season, were watching all the races live, and now we're not watching them at all, which is the direct result of of the quality of the racing or the, or the yeah. result of the, the lack of competition. And I, I just think that next year you'll see those attendances die off. Um, mm. Well, I, I said that was probably too, that's too strong a phrase, but I think you'll find um, a lot of people have been interested in Formula One this year as a result of last year's finale. And I think their interest, they're not proper fans. I think they're interested in very short term and they'll move on to some other sport. If you take, for example, um, the 100 in cricket, now that, that's yeah. been you know, very popular when it came out, was it? Summer before last, yes, yeah, summer twenty one. Yeah, still quite popular this summer. I suspect again next summer we'll start to see attendances start to dwindle a bit because that appeals to people who don't like cricket, isn't it? It, it appeals to a, a different audience that a five day test match would appeal to. It's more suited towards yeah. Uh, yeah. families and and young people because yeah. it is but a but lot I think more find, exciting. 
It is, but I think you find those people, their interest won't last more than a season or two. Yeah, and the problem um, with cricket is it's so seasonal that it's, it's, there's no cricket on in the summer. Well, that's right, in, that's right. Like the Australian yeah. summer here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's going to be very easy to sort of lose interest if you are a fan that sort yeah. of picked it up over the summer. Um, yeah. Whereas a sport like football or or. I don't yeah, know which is all year else, round. Yeah, a sport that you can play all year round is going to be a lot easier. And F1, really, because yeah. um, that yeah. happens all year. So, well, 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 I mean, it's amazing that the season is still going on now. Here we are. Where are we? We're sort of mid, mid-November mid and the season hasn't finished yet. So it, it pretty much is all year round, isn't it? Mm. Formula One. Um, I suspect if the season was much shorter, then... Again, I think attendances might might might, um, might be reduced. It's only very popular in the states, isn't it? I mean, those crowds at Miami and Cotter were particularly impressive, and I I just wonder whether Formula One will be able to maintain that level of interest in the states. Personally, I doubt it because the Americans do like you know the Americans. You know, they want to see exciting racing. Um, I mean, a lot of the NASCAR races are kind of engineered a little bit to, to guarantee close racing. And the lack of cross racing in Formula One might start to uh, result in, I don't know, smaller crowds in the States. Possibly. Uh, we shall see. So this weekend, Abu Dhabi, your job is to watch that. My job is to watch the, well, Superbikes from Phillip Island. That's, that's an easy gig. Phillip Island's a great circuit. Always produces good racing. Um, I, I, I've got a question for you here. Um, I was looking at some, some stats uh, some MotoGP stats, and uh, this is the number of crashes. Um, can you guess which rider had the most crashes last season? And when I talk about crashes, it's not just crashes in the MotoGPs themselves, it's crashes in qualifying and free practice. Uh, I don't think you'll get... I would like to say um, Alex Rins. Actually, funny enough, he was, you're completely wrong, actually, because Alex Rins was one of the riders who crashed the least. Oh. Um, no, any thoughts? Yes. Um, Zarco. Uh, no, again, he, he was one who didn't crash much at all. You wouldn't get, the, probably wouldn't get the first one. It's Darren Binder, who had 27 crashes throughout the season. The reason why you wouldn't probably get that is you never see Darren Binder on television. Um, this is a shame. Um, here's one you might get. So Darren Binder crashed the most, but he, this, this might sound a bit odd, but he, but he didn't have the highest average number of crashes. Now, what, what do I mean by that is that don't forget, not all the riders would have contested all the races because MotoGP riders, they often get injured. They often miss some races. Um, if you divide um, the number of crashes by the number of races, Bender doesn't come out on top. Who do you think has got the highest average number of crashes? So I guess who crashes the most? You might, you should be able to get this actually, if you think about it. Uh, Spargo. That's a, that's a good That's a good guess actually, because he was third in the overall crashes, but he doesn't have the highest Average crash rate. Maybe someone Ed, like Mark Marquez. It is Mark Marquez. 
It is because he missed quite a few races and in the races he competed, he did crash quite a lot. So Mark Marquez averages 1.5 crashes per race, per race meeting. Um, moving on to Moto2, uh, the top crashes were, you wouldn't know these two, Kubo and Antonelli. Uh, third equal, no great surprise, Aaron Canet and Jake Dixon surprised me a little bit. I thought that Celestino Vietti would be in the top three as well, but he wasn't. Okay, if we combine Moto3, Moto2 and MotoGP together, uh, which race meeting had the most crashes? Joe? I'll give you a clue. If you think about the Moto2 Ooh. season, you can work it out. Moto2. Hang on, Moto2. Um, ooh. Silverstone. No, actually, Silverstone was way down the list. Ed? Oh, um, pff, oh I wouldn't have a clue. You'd have to oh, it's Portimao. Portimao, yeah. of course, it is. Well, you have just said it. You can't say it now. Yeah. You pulled him out. Oh, I, think, I think I would have said that anyway. The... Yeah. Edit him out and make it look like a genius. <laughs> yeah. 105 crashes over the weekend uh, amongst all the classes. Second was, what, in that Portimao race, that was the Moto2 race where half the field crashed out at turn two because the, the, there was a, a shower and the, and the leaders hit some, some water on the track. And the top eight all crashed. Um, second place, number of crashes, was Le Mans with 87. Le Mans always tends to be top of that list, mainly because Le Mans in, I don't know what month of the year it is, it's probably May time, uh, often tends, the weather tends often to be a, a not terribly good. Um, so normally there's lots of crashes at Le Mans. So, th so th I thought that was quite interesting, really. Right, so I think that's probably all until next time so next week you people talk about formula one i'll talk a bit about well super bikes and uh we might talk about some other things as well so until then it's goodbye 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 this was an sjc production the presenters were ed joe and nick and it was edited and produced by nick Thank you for listening to this episode of Pit Stop with Mr. Bird. There's a few new things I want to make you aware of. We've got a new website, which you can find by going online to shows.acast.com forward slash pitstop, where you can also find links to our Twitter and uh, on the about page, more information about the hosts as well. We're also on lots more platforms in addition to where you're listening to us now. So we're now on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Apple Podcasts and Amazon Music and lots more, as well as TuneIn like we've been on since we started so head over to those platforms to subscribe on the most convenient one for you and find all our back catalogue of episodes to listen to again as well